Inside the podcast episode 30 already, and I am Paul, as usual, your favorite co host, with your other favorite co host, Fabian. Yes, Hello, Fabian. The, the favorite co host, Fabian, here. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're gonna have a little episode on a few things, but mainly maintenance how to maintenance your bike, especially your fixed gear, because I feel there's a lot of people who have. A lot of questions about that. Even though you might hate maintaining your bike, it's pretty fun actually if you know what to do and what to look out for. It kind of becomes like a zen routine in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I mean, it is also pretty important for <laughs> the longevity of your stuff. If you want to keep your stuff as long as you want, I mean, as long as you can, you want to maintenance it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, just before that, uh, rec recording that show a week ahead that we usually do, so we don't have the pre or after show. So yeah, if you want to hear more about what we talked about in the pre and after show, <laughs> which we don't <laughs> even know yet, uh, you can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash podcast or by subscribing directly on Apple Podcast. Exactly. With this out of the way, let's start with maintenance on your bike yes and i guess the first real question is like how often do you do it that's a that's a good question for you how often do you do it uh depends <laughs> uh i would say i do a pretty pretty big overall once a year you know just to put everything back in place but i also feel i maintenance things along as i switch parts and everything yeah so yeah sometimes i'm maintenance it without even thinking about it you know i'm just like oh switching that pair of wheels and switching like a cog in a chain and it is part of taking care of your bike i guess yeah for sure but yeah it's like one overall a year and it's drivetrain related a big clean every six months i would say damn it's like in the calendar then big drivetrain cleaning coming up <laughs> <laughs> today is the day i'm cleaning no but it's usually when i start to hear like you know little sounds coming out of the bottom bracket or the pedals or basically everywhere where there is bearings with humidity rust and sand dust that could get in there you need to you need to clean them everything basically then <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but yeah it's true I mean, that's why your bikes last long, right? You still have lots of bikes from from years ago. Yeah. For, I mean, for something like a frame, you don't have that much to do maintenance-wise, right? No. But for, I mean, it would be mainly around your drivetrain and your peripherals, every screw and bolts that could creak or, you know, like produce those little sounds that, I personally don't want to hear when I'm riding. <laughs> yeah, so like, of course, these things also depend on where you live. If it's rainy, if it's dry, if it's hot, if it's cold. Like things change depending on your own circumstances as well. Then and the yeah. way you cycle, when you cycle, etc., etc. What about you? Because you live in like uh, first, there's a lot of rain in the Netherlands, yeah. Netherlands, 
And there's also, I mean, you are uh, near the sea, the ocean. Yeah. So I'm like, I think like 10 kilometers from the ocean only, and it's raining. I checked out of curiosity, like in 2019, it was raining something like 193 days out of out of the year. There was some rain. It's like every, it's like every two days, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> I put it that way. But yeah, it's because because of that. I mean, I don't park my bikes outside, but if I were to park, I mean, I don't park park my fixed gear bikes outside. My city bike's always outside, but with like a steel bike, for example, it's probably good to just wipe it down after each rain or like even, even if you cover your bike with a rain cover and leave it outside. So it's like technically dry from the rain, but the humidity will fuck up everything still like fuck up. It will rust some like small bolts and everything. So it's yeah. no harm in just letting it air and then wiping it down. Do you but, have any problem on your old city? No, I mean, I, I don't ride in the rain and it's always inside. So it's basically never touched rain. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like besides that, I, what, what do I do? I mean, I, I always clean my chain after every ride. Like, oh wow. Okay. That's like, maniac level. I mean, I mean, not, not, not like cleaning. I just like take a rag. I guess spin the, the pedals a few times. Let it, like I just clean the shit off basically and I yeah. re-loop afterwards. And that's, that's basically like 90% of cleaning the chain. Because uh, in the beginning, I used to not clean the chain at all. And then at once a year or twice a year, I would have so much shit on the chain and it would be like a pain in the ass to clean it properly. Mm. But if you have a super clean chain and then you clean it after every ride, like just like, it takes like five minutes, like three minutes with a, like a rag, like some cloth. You just do that, you relube, then in, the, in six months, it will still be pretty clean. I couldn't do that. <laughs> no. Not uh, happening. And besides that, I also like reloop my seat post and uh, my fork steerer once a once a year, mm. just to be safe. It doesn't like f- lock in place or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna talk about things that might lock a little bit later, but <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. You <laughs> you might as well want things to be easy to remove and reinstall. Yeah, and I think. Chain cleaning is the most like therapeutic thing there is on, on bike maintenance. It's also incredibly dangerous. If if you get your finger stuck in there, you can easily yes. cut your finger. Okay, just, just a quick before we get... Uh, I'll save the tip for later when we get to the part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just a quick tip? Uh, no, later. <laughs> Not that quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we both do most of, most of our maintenance ourselves, but... I guess some people are also keen on doing it into a shop. Uh, just, yeah, of course, if you do it in, into a shop, you might as well pay for that service. And you need also to be pretty, pretty confident to give your bike to someone else that is going to check. I mean, he is supposed to check everything on your bike and know what's good and know how to install, uninstall stuff. And also, it's going to take time. It's not like... Yeah. I mean, it could save you time if you're like a super busy man, but it can, it could also be like, oh yeah, man, like leave it to the shop and you can take it to the next day. And then a week later, it's still not done. I I am not super keen on putting my bike in a shop for novel or anything. If it's a road bike, since I'm not that good with road bike stuff. Yeah, why not? And even that, uh, I have a friend who had like a pretty unfortunate experience with like bike shops and her bike and the fact that 
they fucked up basically everything on her bike just before a pretty big race. So that sucks. Yeah. And because I'm not that confident into the bike shops that are around me, apart from some that are really good, I'd rather just do it myself. Yeah, it really depends on, on the bike store, like you said. And it's kind of like a hairdresser, you know, like once you find the right one, you keep going back to the same one because they know what to do with, with what you give them. But I think with, with fixed gear bikes, with fixed gear bikes specifically, 90% of the things related to maintenance and installing bike parts and stuff can be done by by anyone. Like you don't have to be particularly like ha- good with your hands to do it. Like installing a headset, yeah, I would 100% always bring that to a shop. Yeah, half the time, maybe also like, like, of course, building a wheel also shop. Yeah, actually, if you think about it, like cutting the fork steerer shop for many people, for most people, and headset also bring it to the shop for most people. Headset is actually so easy when you do it. It depends on the headset, because some of them require like super stupid tools. Yeah, but if you have the tool or if you have a friend that has the tool, it's actually fairly easy. Yeah, so like, I wanted, I was like thinking like, oh, I have these two headsets I need to install. Do I bring it to the store and I pay like 25 euros each? Or do I get the tool? And then I saw the tool. It's like this massive like, yeah. like, like plumbing thing, like 160 euro of, of pure metal. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to have like a lot of headsets to, to make it worth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, talking about big tools and stuff, I think... Most of the tools you need to actually do maintenance on your bike. I mean, uh, let's say your light one is probably just a set of Allen keys and a 15 millimeter wrench. But that's pretty much it. If you have like a, for example, a square taper crank and you want to remove it, you need to get an extractor. If you want to press headset cups, you also need that big, super heavy special tool that costs a fortune. There's also a lot of specialized tools for various amount of stuff. If you want to switch your cog or your lock ring, you need special tools. So either you go into a shop and you pay or you actually buy tools. Yeah, and of course, this really really depends on how often you expect to use the tool. So yeah, yeah. So basic stuff like wrenches, you would probably use a lot, but I was considering buying, you can buy like a metal saw, like a hacksaw for pretty cheap, actually, if you're expecting to cut, let's say, two forks, that is probably cheaper than just doing it yourself already. Oh, dude, I just discovered recently, but stop everything, stop everything saws are now worthless. They don't exist in my vision anymore. What? What what saw? So, you know, the one that you use to cut your fork, for example. Okay. Okay, so you need a saw. And a friend of mine bought like a a plumber tool and it's something that you put onto that fork tube and then you have kind of a cutting wheel and you turn it around and it just cuts your tube Ah. completely straight and effortless. I've seen those actually, yeah. It's like the best thing ever rather than having a saw <laughs> and cu- cutting it like completely sideways and then having to file it to make it straight. Yeah, also you need like a like a saw guide if you're using a saw. Yeah. But you can just use like uh two old stems and a spacer or two spacers. Yeah. As a guide, you know, you put everything together and yeah, your saw is not going to move. 
and if you have a titanium frame, actually no, the fork wouldn't even be titanium. Never mind, ignore that. Actually, if you have a titanium, <laughs> let's say little wing, I need to cut. I need to cut the seat mo- seat post or the, yeah, the seat post, which is also titanium. As it's like an integrated seat post, you can also use a special like metal hacksaw. And in this case, yeah. I, don't, I don't think one of those pipe cutters would work. Well, I cut. I I did cut my um, Deluxe handlebar combo, which is titanium. Well, those it was are super fairly thin, right? easy. Yeah, those are. Mm, I wouldn't say thin, but the tube diameter is not that big. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's I worth don't. Trying I don't know cheaper, if you can right? do that with like a uh, seat post diameter. Yeah, maybe not. But this, yeah, I mean, they're pretty cheap anyway. To the, those plumbing cutter things. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just that that thing that turns around it it makes you like a super super clean cut from from the get go from the beginning. What's it called? I don't remember. But I'll find it and put it in in the show notes. Uh, try a pipe cutter. Oh yeah, I see it. It's, yeah, it's just called clamshell automatic copper pipe cutter. Yeah. So I mean, there's actually there's a few different names for it, but yeah, pipe cutter. You'll find it. It's like a circular device. You just put it around it. Yeah, it's like ten pounds here on this on this yeah. UK website. It's not bad. I guess if you try to cut like titanium many many times with it, I mean it's it's made for copper, which is pretty soft. Yeah. So if you use it for titanium, aluminium, and other stuff, I guess your blade would be dull after like some uses. But because you're not changing your fork every two days, I guess it'll be fine. Yeah. For for a while. Or you can be like. You know, like, you know, Ocean's Eleven, the movie, Ocean's Twelve, uh-huh. you should just get like a special cutter with diamonds, super sharp diamonds. They will never break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need a diamond blade if you want to cut, uh, no, that's not a diamond blade. You need a special blade if you want to cut like carbon seat post and stuff. Really? Yeah. You need a special, I don't know if a diamond blade or ceramic blade or is it something else, but you need a special blade for everything that is carbon fiber and Kevlar and fiber in general. Is it because if you use a hacksaw, it will like kind of shred it too much or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It makes sense. You need something that is really fine, you know, and if you cut carbon fiber, even a small seat post or even your handlebar, uh, make sure you wear a mask. Because that dust is nasty and you don't want to nail that. Gonna have carbon lungs fly away. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, imagine you can also cut it with like a super high, uh, high pressure water spray. But I mean, I mean, who has that at home? Yeah, who has that? My shower sometimes, but. <laughs> <laughs> Where did we, we just really like derailed so far from what we we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck were you talking about? And we were into specialized tools. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, so super high pressure water spray. That's pretty special. <laughs> really specialized tool. <laughs> no, but I need the the basic set of tools you'll need uh if you want to do pretty much everything. Pretty much everything, right? Would be so yeah, Allen keys and Probably a crank extractor, a chain whip. Yeah. Lockering tool. And after it depends on what bottom bracket you're installing or because there's mm-hmm. different standards, right? Like you need, yeah. I don't know, like a GXP bottom bracket tool or something like that. And a pedal wrench. Oh yeah. Pedal wrench. Well, or like a 15, 15 millimeter wrench, I think. 
15 millimeter wrench, but it needs to be pretty thin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, they're usually longer because you need like kind of a big... Like leverage, right? Yeah, leverage. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much it. If, and if you're really into that, you can buy a torque wrench. But I've never had one at home. And if it's not something I do for the shop, I don't use one. I feel like I have enough experience to not over tighten things. But I did over tighten things in the past. So if anyone besides Paul, you should probably get a torque wrench. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But if you if you're playing with dangerous stuff, I'm going to say, I don't know, like you have a super expensive NV stem and you don't want to fuck up your threading, then maybe get a torque wrench. They're pretty cheap. Yeah, they're, they're not that expensive. But a bike is something that you almost never need to put strengths to tight things down, you know? Yeah, it's true. Apart from the cog and the lock ring, I don't see anywhere where you need to make your face all red by tightening something. <laughs> but that's also the thing, like it, when you read online. So when I, when I was starting out in the beginning, I would you know, watch the videos, look at the guides and whatever to do things myself. And then they always say, do it too tight, do it tight, but not too tight. Do it like uh, hand, hand tight. Like they have all these different terms to describe yeah. how tight to do it. And it's really like vague. So it's, yeah, so it's kind of easy to to understand, like do it pretty tight, but not too tight that you yeah. already go overboard then. Because some parts are... Like a stem, for example, if, if you tie, if you tighten two bolts next to each other rather than opposite, then it's really easy to already fuck it up. You go yeah. get too tight. So for everything that is like seat post clamp and uh, stem clamp, stem, all those little bolts, you know, my best advice would be to, so you have your Allen wrench, right? Yeah. And you just use two finger to tie it down. I mean, first you, put it all the way through and then you use two finger and those two fingers, you know, so you have your thumb and your index. Yeah, I guess it's the index, the one just after the thumb. Yeah, index. Yeah, that's the index, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you have your thumb and your index. And so the thumb is on the elbow part of your Allen key and your index is at the very end of your Allen key. And the other end is in your bolt, right? And you put pressure with those two finger as much as you can and that's enough you don't need more you need you don't need your entire fist to wrench that down you know yeah just need those two fingers and usually for me the that amount of pressure is completely enough yeah what was i, what was I gonna say yeah just yeah, earlier you were saying about the road bikes thing about how you wouldn't how you would likely bring those to a store right because you don't know as much about them yeah and yeah it's true i was i mean i don't know how long but like for like when i say the last six months i don't mean like lit literally every day but for the last six months i've been trying to perfectly index my rear derailleur mm -hmm. i watched the 10 minute partial videos like probably enough to to fill up an entire movie like two hours of it i've been watching it <laughs> and it's not perfect ever the derailleur so i don't know if it's a bit bent or i'm just doing it wrong but always like tiny turns and everything is fucked up again. Yeah. So that's I'm at, I'm at the point where I'm really like, okay, I'll just pay the forty bucks, and then the guys at the the bike store will do it for me. But 
Yeah, at least we don't have this issue with fixed gear bikes, right? True. I feel like you can never, almost never get a derailleur completely right if you're not an absolute baller slash expert into that. Like, so. yeah, like the people in the, I watched like this one Tour de front this video of a Tour de France mechanic, you know, he like, he is of course a bike expert and he's just like tuning the derailleur just with his, by feeling almost like he spins the wheel a bit, shifts and then, okay, that's like two and a half point three five turns of the, the, the low limit screw or whatever. And like, they're <laughs> at that point where they can just like almost just listen and they know if, if the derailleur is in the perfect spot or not. So I guess when you pay someone 40 euros to just do these little turns, it's because they know how they've been doing it for years. They can do it so quickly. The guy yeah. that whispers to derailers. <laughs> Be in your fucking place or I'm coming for you tonight. Prepare <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 12 some- speeds. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes if you go to a bike store and you was, you just want some, you just want them to do something that seems complicated to you and you watch them do it in like, Five minutes or ten minutes, and then they charge you thirty euros. You think you think you just you just got scammed, but t- it took them ten minutes because yeah. they've been doing it for like thirty years. So it's still yeah. so nice to see. A good bike mechanic is sixty euros for an hour. Yeah. So basically, like, one euro a minute. And then I, I give them the bike, and I see them like, okay, I'll just get coffee real fast. No, I have no time for that. I'm paying you. <laughs> like, just do it. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> sixty euros per per hour. Like the bikes where I go to is like sixty five an hour. So I'm I'm considering going to another one that's like forty five an hour, which is also very good. Is that the one that is also a track dealership and has like yeah, all the, the expensive one. stuff? Yeah, that's the sixty five per hour one. And they have like I saw their dealer of like two new bike stores, bike brands, only the only ones in the Netherlands. So they're doing well. It's a pretty nice bike shop though. Yeah, they've got the titanium curve bikes there still. Ooh. And like you can test right track domains and everything. It's really, really nice. <laughs> that's, yeah, the, that's kind of the tools you'll need. And I feel, I feel like it is always a good idea to buy the proper tools. Because even if you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm never switching gears. I'm never switching my cog. It, it never happens to me. So I don't need that, right? But let's say one day you're just going to the velodrome the next day and just don't have the time to go to a bike shop. It's nice that you can do it on your own at night and just switch your cog, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. It just feels like I just feel like it is pretty cool to be able to do as much stuff as you can on your bike because then I mean, figure is pretty simple already. But if you know every intricate part of your bike and it's just better, right? Yeah. It's- I mean, as much as I like to say, support your local bike shop and everything, it, I mean, not everyone's made of money, right? It's just, yeah. you save a bunch of money just doing every, like, this, especially like these little things yourself. Those are just like common sense things to do. Like here yeah. in the Netherlands, there are lots of, I, at least lots of international students. I mean, not, sorry, just lots of students in general. They bring their bike to a bike store because of a flat and then they pay 25 euros or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's not because they don't have the tire, the, the tube or anything. They just don't know how to change it. It's like, oh, yeah, my bike you, is prob- you probably need a pump and some tire levers too, as basic tools. Yeah, also that. But like, they, 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 the tire is flat. And then to them, to many people, it means like the entire bike is broken. There's, I need to, I have to bring it to the bike store. I cannot do it. You know, it's like a, it's like saying your, your bottom bracket just blew up or something. Like, it's not a big problem. But 
So like just knowing these little things really going to save you a bunch of time and money in the end. Definitely, especially for a flat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you go if you go in a shop for a flat, it's probably going to run you like what twenty euros. If you do it yourself and you buy the tube, it's going to be five. Yeah, and unless you don't, you also need to ask them because half the time here they just keep the the puncture tube and they fix it themselves. Yeah, and you have to pay for the new one, so you have to ask them to give you the give you the old tube back. I'm part of the team that never fixed the tubes. I just buy new ones. <laughs> oh no, I always fix them. It's like such a waste. <laughs> I got like this gift from like a friend, like a, a bike repair kit. You know, like a small metal in a small uh-huh. metal box. It's like the the, the hipster but things you can find at, like a magazine store or whatever. <laughs> it came with like a bunch of patches. I'm like, okay, my goal is to use them all. And so far I've used one because I never have flats. <laughs> yeah, I remember I like fun. one time we we went to a trick session with Diego. And just before arriving, he got a flat. And I was like, ah, oh, no problem. We'll just go to the, to the spot and then we'll turn your bike around. Uh, I mean, we'll flip your bike and, and fix your, your flat, right? And so we do it. We use one patch and pretty confident we put everything back together and then it doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, put second patch, doesn't work. And at this point, I'm like, oh man, I can just go home and and get you a tube if you want. He's like, no, no, I'm gonna make you work. And I was like, okay, you do what you do what you do. <laughs> and he ended up using like four or five patches and it didn't work. So I went home and, and got him a tube. But I was really surprised because he usually gets it under five minutes. Like, get the wheel out, get the tubes out, and then put a patch on it, put everything back together. It works. But that time, it was just not happening, even after five patches. And I'm like, I'm just going to go get you a tube. <laughs> <laughs> it's not worth the time, right? Definitely not. <laughs> Yeah, something that can, uh, it's kind of a tool, but something can really help you during all your maintenance and everything is a bike stand. Yes. Okay. That's, I got a bike stand, what, like two months ago from Lidl. I was like, that was a cheap, I was really like, I'm really cheap about some things. And the, I was waiting for this one to be back in stock because this one's 35 euros for like a, like a bike stand. It works, works perfectly. And so you don't need like a 160 euro professional Tour de France Park Tour one, but yeah. having one really is such a so much nicer to do even the most basic basic things on it, like whether it's just a new pedal or adjusting the derailleur. But like it's much nicer than having to bend over the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't own <laughs> one, and I really want one because I'm just so fucking tired to always be. Sitting and then standing, sitting, standing, sitting, standing to to work on my bike. But I just don't have the physical space at home to get one. Old man. Yeah. You can you can get one like I mean in your apartment what I've seen online before is that you can attach like a thing to the ceiling almost. Or even a bike stand that that folds into the wall. So it's just like a hook on the wall that you can fold out and just hang your bike there yeah i could do that but my neighbors are not going to be happy so i won't (laughs) Ah, paris no one no one likes anyone there yeah (laughs) (laughs) man paris has been 
empty for the past few weeks because there's nobody in Paris in August, right? And what? because everybody is in holidays. Oh. Yeah. Like it it's is funny, like <laughs> it is a ghost city. It's like what people in Paris they go out of Paris to go on holiday? I would kill to go to Paris for holiday. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> in Paris is like, oh fuck Parisians. Absolutely. And the weather has been really, really like unstable. Like for example, today it doesn't look like summer at all. People don't want to get out. For the remaining of people that are here, a lot of business are closed too. So it just looks like a ghost town. But it's so nice to ride because there's nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so tomorrow I was like, tomorrow I'm flying to Italy and I'm going to an island there. And I was Googling like, you know, like videos on oh things to do in, in, in this island. And there was number one. Take a take, bring your car with. It's really nice to have a car there. So we, my friends and I were gonna take a car with. But mm -hmm. number two was don't go in August because that's when all the Italians are take are going on holiday and they will be in the, on that island. Many of them, but also the stores and restaurants in the island. Many of them will be closed because those people are also on holiday somewhere. <laughs> so like, yeah. So tomorrow for people listening the, listening to this, tomorrow for me right now is gonna be the twentieth. Yeah. Or the ninth. Yeah, the twentieth of August. So I'm hoping that it's kind of end of August, so maybe people are returning already, but... Yeah, see. because you're supposed to listen to this on the 30. Oh my God, that's 10 days later. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's maybe, a that's yeah, an early recording. What about Will Maintenance? And for example, like Will... I mean, mainly Will Tring. And for Hub Maintenance, your axle and everything. Oh man, I've got a story for this again. Oh, so go, go for it. <laughs> yesterday I bought another city bike. Yes. What? Oh, no. So, so I bought it, bought it, and I was standing outside with it, like outside the the secondhand store, and suddenly this old, this like sixty five year old guy on like a little moped, you know, like a really like tiny moped. Uh -huh. He comes by, just stops like close to me and talks to me in Dutch about. Hey, oh, nice bike. How much you get it for? 70? Oh, yeah, it's not bad. And he starts touching the rear wheel. It's like, oh, the spoke tension is not that great. You have to throw that. Like, true, you have to true the, the bike wheel. I've got the machine, you know, you, you should watch out. Like, giving me all this advice I never asked for. <laughs> it's like going around the bike, like, clicking the lights on and off. Yeah, oh, good. They put batteries in the lights. That's pretty good. Ah, the handlebars are a bit, a bit wide, aren't they? Like, I'm like, I'm just like standing there. Like, why are you touching my bike? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, he goes away. I'm still outside there, like, 20 minutes later because I'm waiting for another person. And he comes back and he's like, Oh, I just came from the supermarket on the, the pin board there. I saw they're selling two bikes for 70 euros. Ah, you could have gotten that one. You could, you could have gotten two bikes for 70 instead of one bike. I'm like, okay, cool. Next time I'll meet yeah. You know, I, I was just like, I was just like, okay, yeah, yes, okay, ah, yeah. Just to, <laughs> just to get him to leave. And he left eventually. And I was walking back home with, with my girlfriend. And then I saw him like talking to another like student somewhere else. I'm like, what, what's this guy doing? What's this? I mean, he wasn't like mean or anything. He was like, yeah, yeah. He's just looking for some conversation. Yeah, maybe if I was like, I, okay, I, thanks for the advice. I, uh, okay, I don't know what to, what to do with it now. I'm not going to throw the wheel. It's a, it's a 70 euro city bike. Like, I don't care. But, <laughs> yeah, so. Let me put a pair of, of like carbon wheels on there and just blast <laughs> through the streets. I should. Also, yeah. I bought spray paint to to kind of like make it a bit colorful because it's just completely black and I want to find it easily. So I bought like blue paint. That's clever. 
I mean, yeah, especially if it's a $70 CD bike. Yeah. So going to be a little art experiment. <laughs> anyway, that's my little wheel string kind of relevant side story. Are you going to be that kind of person that also paint a chain? No, fuck that. <laughs> fuck. I mean, it's probably like the, the chain is actually, no, sorry. The chain is new. It's a, they put a new chain on it. So I'm not going to, I was going to say if the chain is rusted, I would, I would have painted it maybe, but it's just, a, it's a new chain. Okay. So yeah, train your, train your will. If you, if you know how to do that, it is, I mean, it's pretty good and you're going to save a lot of money because training a will takes time. And if you bring one to a bike shop, it, it's going to run you a bit of money. Uh, but you will need to buy a training stand for that. There are some ghetto solutions out there with some paper and a fork, but <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. Um, get a proper training stand. Uh, you're probably going to, I don't know, it's between 50 and 100 euros for a good one, I guess. I mean, for a basic one. And you also need a spoke wrench, but that's it. Yeah, I think this is kind of like a similar situation as with the headset tool. Like if you're just chewing your, your wheel, you can, I think you could get good, you could do it good enough with just using the fork and like some paper on yeah. the, each side of the fork legs. Then you could, it's not going to be perfect, but it will be, if it's in a real bad situation, you could chew your bike wheel good enough. Yeah. And a chewing stand. Yeah. If you're going to build wheels in the future, maybe then it's, it might be a good investment as well. But it's, it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's a, it's a bit of money and it's also space, like the headset tool. Just be careful to not end up with like one of our listeners that bought a training stand. And I think it's because he, he looked at my article about building wheels and now he's just building wheels for everyone around him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like if you fix the internet for your grandparents one time, oh, my son, my grandson fixed it. And everyone's going to come to you with their tech problems. <laughs> <and> then, <laughs> I just restarted the modem. <laughs> <laughs> he will recognize himself, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am part of those people where like all my friends come to me like oh can can you build me this and I'm like I shouldn't make you pay for that but you're a friend so I'm not gonna do it you're just gonna grab me a coffee or something she'd be like yeah I can build it but will I that's the question <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard about money that's what Rob was going to do, right? Build wheels for his friends, something like that. Yeah, but he does that for a living, though. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, his full thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That could be you. Could be me. But you see, Paul is investing in Slotman Society, so... <laughs> this is I'm, I'm, I'm going to make Slotman Society a full-on multinational business. And I will be <laughs> on the top of my tower... Was all my stocks now be ha ha ha? This is my <laughs> empire <your> now. <laughs> <laughs> On top of this little spin tower. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> and I'll I'll have you at the um, at the desk, at the front desk. <laughs> I'm not at the front desk. <laughs> oh no. I'll I'll like, be like uh, I'll be like where are you starting? I'll start my plan to take over somehow. <laughs> He'll just call me at the very at the like bottom floor, and I'll be at the top. It's like, oh yeah, like someone is here to see you. Should I <laughs> should I bring him? <laughs> someone has a question about the show notes. What do I tell them, Paul? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dream. The dream. The dream. <laughs> okay, 
One thing that could be a nightmare, though, is your drivetrain maintenance. Damn, that was a really good transition. <laughs> oh, man, I just realized we, we started the episode with like, okay, episode episode about maintenance. We're just talking about random shit most of the time. <laughs> There's <laughs> so not that, society. There is not that much stuff to maintenance on a thing here. <laughs> Slow spin society tower, my little story with the wheel throwing guy. <laughs> and now we're still, yeah, we're barely like... Halfway through the document, hour. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. So yeah, uh, drivetrain maintenance. Uh, okay, I'm gonna get through a bunch of points here because it is important. First, your bottom bracket. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about maintenance, it means you already have your bottom bracket in. But if you're looking at buying your frame, note there is three different threads of bottom bracket. Well, four, but three main threads. There's Italian, French, and English. That's also called BSC or BSA. English is just a standard thread bottom bracket. You find it pretty much everywhere. But sometimes you find old Italian or French uh, bottom brackets and... Just avoid those. And there's also a Swiss standard, but this is super, super rare. But the key rule here is if the drive side has a left-hand thread, it's British. If both sides have a right-hand right threads, then it depends on whether your frame is French or Italian. But stay away from those, apart if it's a collection bike or anything. Just, yeah, English is good. English works great and everything is compatible with English. Apart from Brexit, though, it's not compatible Oof. anymore. It was Euro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I oh, no. sneak that one in there. <laughs> uh, and so you have like different type of bottom bracket. You have square taper, Octolink, Isis, uh, and direct drive. We're going to talk about those a little bit later. <clears throat> but square taper, you have two main standards, ISO and GIS. And people are freaking out about those because it's really, really hard to understand why they're different and what is it ISO or is it just that is compatible with my crank set, right? Just to give you an explanation, ISO and GIS are very similar. The angle of the taper is the same, but the ISO spelled spindle ends are a little slimmer. In a pinch, you sometimes can use a gist spindle on an ISO crank to compensate for the wider gist taper. You just need to select like a spindle that is one or two millimeters shorter. Um, the other way around doesn't always work. A slim ISO taper can extend all the way through a larger hole in a gist crank. You cannot tie the crank. ISO and gist, probably like 10 years ago, you would really look at which one you should take, but right now they're pretty much compatible. It's not really a big deal. People are not really freaking out over ISO and just anymore. Of course, if you know, it's always best to find the correct bottom bracket for you. But I have Sugino 75 and on the Sugino 75 website, they're saying like, oh, you can't use any bottom bracket, you need that special Sugino 75 standard, it's not really just, not really ISO, it's something special. I just use like a 13 euros Amazon 
bottom bracket from Shimano and it works really good. Like, no problem when, with that. When you were building my candle track. Oh yeah, we took the wrong octalink. Yeah, so we had an, uh, I need an octalink bottom bracket, and it turns out there's two different types of the octalinks one. There's two versions, yeah, version yeah, one, two version versions. two. Yeah, so we got version one and version two, and almost stripped my my cranks. <laughs> yeah, but like tightening it down is like it it's not tightening, and then we went for a ride outside, and the crank fell off because it was not tightened right. Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck? And then we learned that day that there were two different octolinks, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's like who knew? Such yeah, who knew? False advertising. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to be like safe, like direct drive is also the way to go. Either if it's like Sugino direct drive, rotor, or uh, GXP. I know, like some people will will always swear by direct drive, and they just hate. Uh, square taper but yeah yeah so that's all about the drivetrain maintenance at least with the bottom bracket right yeah but another another important part of course especially if you're riding brakeless is the chain so the chain is what keeps everything together and if you're riding brakeless the chain is the only thing in between you and the wall <laughs> or the uh, car or, or the, the pedestrian car. or anything. or anything else yeah or the water or the bridge <laughs> <laughs> so it's important with the chain that you maintain it like i mean like i said in the beginning i i clean mine after every ride almost yeah not almost every ride i do it but it's just important to check the how much life your chain has left and that depends on how much it has stretched since you first got it and yeah. like this, I mean, I wouldn't say it requires a specific chain checking tool, but they're pretty cheap and, and, you know, it's just a ruler basically. And what you do is you put the one end of the ruler into a chain link and then the other end into another chain link. And then if it doesn't fit or, you know, it, it's stretched too far, you can like measure it with that. But if you don't want the tool, another easy way to check is that you look on your chain ring. And let's say you grab, you try to grab the chain at the three o'clock position. And if you can lift the chain to the right and make it have like a small, like a pretty big gap with the teeth, then it's stretched already. Yeah. But this method only tells you that it's stretched. It doesn't tell you if it's too much or not enough or, you know, it just tells you it has stretched. Yep. Yeah. And also when a chain stretched too much, it will make a special sound. That you can usually hear on a lot of single speed bikes that have a rusted chain. Yeah. But yeah. it's the sound that when you put pressure on your chain, you can it hear that. you like, change me. <laughs> <laughs> Special sound. Change me, daddy. <laughs> no, but like, it, it makes a little sound that you can hear everything stretch a little bit, kind of. If you put it in slow motion, you can you could hear everything going like one by one stretching. Uh, between links but yeah get, having a, a proper chain is a good idea for your surviving yeah <laughs> cleaning after cleaning it after every ride is hardcore though i would not do that it's really like cleaning i mean saying cleaning has like this big connotation like well he's probably like using it with degreaser and i'm just just using like a little like a dirty rag and just wiping yeah. it off no, it really is just like three minutes. Yeah. But just as yeah. an info, if you don't clean your chain every day like me and 
You do it once every three, four months. Cleaning your chain means decreasing it, degreasing it, uh, and then oiling it. And then you need to put like a final rug, like you need to wipe it again after because you don't want that extra oil splattering all over your frame and your wall if you're inside. But that last wipe is kind of important. Yeah, because you're going to have so much leftover grease everywhere. Yeah. It will also make your chain much dirtier and yeah. thicker. Are you an oil guy, an oil guy or a wax guy? Oil. Oil? Yeah. At least at least my chain. Yeah. <laughs> For, uh, personal advice would be to stay away from oil that are in spray cans. Use yes. the one that comes with the little chemistry thing, you know? Uh, how do you call that? The Like the pipette? Yeah, exactly. Thing that makes drops. Yeah. And another tip. I, like, I don't know why dry lube is... Dry lube is shit. Just use electric. <laughs> like really, no, no, sorry. It's the other way around. Other way around. Oh. Wait, is it the other way around? No, yeah. It's, no, it's this way around. Yeah, wet lube is, is the best one. And dry lube is shit. Yeah. If you wear a dry lube and it rains one time or a bit of water will just go off. Wet lube yeah. just works for everything. But it you need to put wet lube again and again and again all the time because it it runs out so fast. Not I mean it's faster it's it's slower than if you have dry lube and it's suddenly a bit wet, you know? Like dry lube is just like diluted wet lube. Mm. You might as well just get wet lube and then it will get be a bit dirtier and everything, but it lasts it's it will just stick to your to your chain. It's always better when it's wet. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pee-pee joke. Hey, it's a pee-pee joke. Pee-pee joke. But yeah, I want to try I want to try waxing like for the chain. I've never done I've never tried it. <laughs> Supposedly you can you can it's pretty easy to do it in certain with certain techniques, but I haven't researched it properly. There is some like weird techniques when you you have a block of wax and then you melt it and then you put your chain inside and you take it out and then like I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, compa compared to just using like the little like oil bottle and just squeezing it over the chain, it sounds like a lot of work. But apparently, it lasts longer and it's like indestructible yeah. and makes you go ten times faster. So. That's oh it. yeah, and uh, a proper chain cleaner tool. It's cool, but I've never used one, and I'm still alive, so don't oh, really need it. Yeah, they they're nice tools for you, like for especially for like a road bike. It's easy to just have the the chain go through it. Oh, you have yeah, one, my, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I bought like a cheap one because you can get like the the, the pork tool ones like thirty bucks. So you can get like a cheaper one from a no name brand in the bike store for like ten or five. Uh, but sounds like AliExpress uh, stuff again. Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, my tip was if you're cleaning your chain on the fixed gear, don't spin with the pedal, spin with the wheel. Because if you spin with the pedal, you will just fuck your fingers up eventually. It's just a matter of time. Because with the wheel, you can just like do it really like with control. With the pedal, it will just go too fast and your finger will get stuck and everything. That makes sense. I would say always be super careful when you use a rug too. Yeah. Like you want your rug to be pretty tight and you don't have any loose hands that could be caught in in your chain ring and then your hand is in the rug and then your hand is next in the chain ring. <laughs> exactly, that's how it works. I know people that lost fingers. 
like imagine you, you're going out on a date or something and you know that you talk about each other and you, you the girl or the guy sees your finger and you're like oh how did you lose the, the finger were you in a fight were you fighting in the war or something no i was cleaning my fixie chain <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm going home <laughs> all right you you, you pay huh <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. wow. yeah so just be careful because it can it, yeah it's sharp of course like and that's a dumb thing to do like yeah yeah Okay, if 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 you're out there listening and you miss a finger because of this, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, at least it makes it for a funny story when you're 85. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> all right. What is next? Uh, Chainring and cog. Yeah, chainring and cog. I'll let you do so, this one. Yeah. So I mean. I've never gotten to this point with any chain ring, but if you're at this point and you write this much, then congratulations. But check your chain ring teeth once in a while. I mean, maybe like once a year or once every half. I mean, it depends on how much you write, of course, but check your chain ring, your chain ring and cog teeth. If they're too sharp, that can really like fuck you up with how much engagement it has with the chain. And yeah, eventually it will, your chain will just pop off and yeah, that's not good. You don't want to chain your chain to slip. No. And, and something that will cause premature chainring wear is tightening your chain too much. Yes. I really despise having chain slack. I hate it. I really, yeah. really don't like it. Oh, and I love it. <laughs> so my chain is always tight, but it's never tight to the point that it is like super, super tight and you can even barely move it. But it's just tight to the point that you don't, I don't want chain slack because fuck chain slack. I hate it. What? Oh, because it's like more difficult to trick with it or what? I don't know. It, it basically gives you lag in real life. I think it feels so nice. Like when you have like, like quite a bit of chain slack and then you want to like speed up, you can feel it like catching up to you. No. Like the pedal. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> and, then you're, and you're going really fast and it, there's no there's no delay or anything. It's like, damn, I'm playing with with full... Okay, I actually cut that out. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I'm going to let it in. <laughs> no! <laughs> but yeah, I like jeans like. But yeah, if you make it too tight, it can fuck up your, your other gear. And if you have a sand... If you do that track lacrosse or something and you have a bunch of sand and grit in your chain that will also fuck everything up so yeah be careful so yeah check your teeth on your chain ring and cog cleaning them is also a good idea from time to time and you can just use a toothbrush and something greaser for that yeah just brush between every teeth and then have a, a dry wipe to wipe everything down and yeah it should be good to go and do the inside as well like yeah if you only do one side it's not really gonna do any that much um okay one thing i want to tackle because i got a question on instagram about that someone saying asking me like hey so for the cog and the lock ring do you actually put grease or not because i heard everything and i read everything online and some people do some people don't that question should not exist as long as you thread thing onto another thing or you put thing onto another thing or you insert thing into another thing <laughs> use grease just 
Use grease all the time and too much grease is better than not enough. If, if you tie your cog onto your wheel and then you do the same with your lock ring, grease acts like a, when it's on threadings, it acts as something that will keep everything together and stuck. But it will also act as a layer of, I don't know how I would say this, but... Yeah, like a buffer zone so that you can still unscrew it. Because I don't know if you ever tighten something without grease and then you try to untighten it two months later, it is almost impossible. So always, 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 I'm saying it again, always use fucking grease. Yes. That one is still part of Europe, though. Ha, Brexit Joe again. <laughs> ah, I just got it. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's he saying? <laughs> Not the Brexit joke, yeah. Okay, let's let's rapid fire the last few things here. So yeah, that that that's pretty much it for your chain cog, chain ring, uh, lock ring, and oh no, one more thing that I want to add onto cog and lock ring. Be like when you insert a cog in a lock ring. First, there is different threads of cog and lock rings for different threads of hubs. For example, you can't put a normal lock ring on a fill hub and you can't put a fill lock ring on a normal hub. So check that before. And then, you know, like those, the cog and the lock ring are basically the only two elements that you need to kind of force to tie down yeah. uh, because you want them to not move at all. It's important. If you tie them down real bad and then you fuck your your threading, your hub is dead and your wheel is dead. So double or triple check if you are in the good threading, if everything is, is good and you can tie uh, part of it by hand, because you don't want to fuck that, especially no. if you have expensive hubs. Yes, like the previous episode, we mentioned a few. Exactly. <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it now. Um... Yeah, well, so yeah, like I mentioned, I live pretty close to the ocean, so there's a lot of like salt in the air. I think. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a chemist, but I guess that's what it, what it is, right? And that can lead to. Fr- <laughs> I am no scientist. I don't know what this is. Salt flying around the air, smacking us in the face. But yeah, in that case, your steel frame will likely rust faster, or your parts will likely rust faster if they're outside. And you're close to the ocean. So, like, using enough grease. Like, I, I like to regrease my, my parts um, in general. But if they were outside, I'd regrease them, regrease them probably more frequently as well. Just to fight the rust in the air, or so to say. Like, yeah. the balls, seat posts, fork steerer. I think those are the most important ones. But if you have a steel frame outside, the like small parts, they will rust. And the BB shell, the bottom bracket shell, those will rust. The, the fastest and the worst yeah so just make sure that you can i think you can also buy like anti-rust coating and just do it yourself for the inside of the frame and everything as well yeah that exists you need to like uh strip it down completely and then you buy like a can of inner i think it's inner cutting uh for your frame and then yeah you just like spray inside and then let it dry for 
a, a good amount of time and it's supposed to take care of the rust that might be in inside your frame as fabian was saying the bottom bracket is the largest threaded area on your bike for a good reason because it does it need to not move right and so if there's a little bit of rust in there then you're fucked you're completely fucked it's so hard to to get rid of it's so hard to to disassemble you know yeah something else is for example you have a steel frame and an aluminium uh seat post you really 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 want to put grease again i i mean i'm gonna say it again but put grease everywhere like stem bolts seat post everywhere absolutely everywhere because and we call we call them seashells when it happens but uh Basically, you have an aluminum seat post and a steel frame. You don't put grease or you put grease, but it's been a while and you have laid your frame like this for, I don't know, like three years and it's, it's seen rain and snow and different temperatures and everything. They're going to bond together and you're never going to be able to take it out. We are one now. <laughs> we are one. A quick tip that I can give you if your seat post is stuck and you don't want to destroy your saddle by giving a hammer, by hitting it with a hammer, is you take two big screwdrivers and then you use it, you use them as like, if like there were saddle rails, you know? So you put one on each side and then you use it as two big handles to twist your seat post and sometimes it can work sometimes you're gonna have it to take it to a bike shop but it should not happen if you have greased everything properly yeah, super super avoidable yeah i feel like a lot of people are gonna cut this episode and like okay i'm gonna go grease everything <laughs> <laughs> including myself i'm going in boys <laughs> uh, um Oh, here, tire check. Okay, this is pretty important if you like skid a lot because lots of tires nowadays, they have like a wear indicator. And that's for like normal people when they ride on the same tire for like a long time. Eventually, it will wear down to like a pretty visible line on the tire. And that's when you should ideally be changing the tire. And if you're skidding a lot, you know, if you can, if you can see like the, the inside beige membrane, that's already kind of maybe time already, right? Yeah, it, it depends on the tire, though. I feel like you, you have to experience <laughs> to, to see. But, for example, with the, the Randoner, you know, the Vittoria Randoner, yeah. it's super heavy. Your tire is black, and then you skid it, it becomes red. And then under the red, there is a piece of Kevlar. And then under the piece of Kevlar, there's another piece of Kevlar. It, so you can skid it a long long time and a lot uh, and it will it will be fine but if for example you have other tires like uh Pasolas, for example paneracer Pasolas, those are super thin and they will just yeah this is not even a second layer you're done also yeah and gp5000s those are really fast tires really 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 fast but you don't scale on them. There's even like pictures I saw in the Discord, someone linked that someone emergency braked with those tires and the rear uh, wheel skidded and it was dead after one time. Oh, wasn't that on Reddit? 
I think yeah, I think the the guy in the Discord posted that from Reddit, but oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Those are to go fast, not to not to skid. Yeah. Uh, one more thing that you might want to to take care of. I've I've never done it, but I've seen people doing it. Is if you have like an old flight, like an old saddle with leather on it, and it starts to cracks or something, you can use a, a lanolin based cream. Uh, so it, it's uh, the kind of high-end cream they can find for leather shoes uh you can use that to give it a shine and protection to your saddle just make sure to use like transparent one or i don't know how to say that but one that is not dyed you know either Uh. black or brown or anything because you don't want your (laughs) your pants to go all black (laughs) yeah that's a good tip yeah Apart from that, I don't know, like, special mention to everybody that has a row steel frame. Uh, you can, if you want to stop the rust, you can, of course, use clear coat, but you can also use linseed oil. You put onto a rug and then you wipe your frame real, real good and you do it once a month and it will keep the rust away. It works. I use that for my pants. Oh, really? Yeah, linseed oil on my cast iron pans. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's pretty effective. But yeah, uh, what else? Oh yeah, so here, if you want, if there are other like more specific questions, the, the really the most useful resources are out there on the internet, such as Sheldon Brown's website, may he rest in peace, yeah. and uh, a bunch of YouTube channels. Like Park Tool has really, really, really useful videos. Even though they focus on road bikes, lots of it overlaps with fixed gear bikes. Like yeah. Besides, of course, the railer system, but everything else is pretty much the same. If you if you want to install a bottom bracket or something that you are not too comfy with, just go and check like one of their tutorial. Those have most of the time special threadings and like there's one cup that you need to put before another. Yeah, just Go and look at those tutorials because you don't want to fuck your your frame threading or anything. Something that you don't do properly could cost you really, real expensive. So yeah, if you want to save a bunch of money, just make sure and double, triple check to do things properly. Does it make sense? Yes. All right. Well, I guess that's pretty much it. Yes. Lots of maintenance tips and tricks. And information. And of and course, we probably made some tiny mistakes that people will catch. And yeah, please do share them though. Yeah. And and please don't don't throw tomatoes at me for saying that I only use just square tape or bottom bottom bracket because sounds, sounds that's like what I do this. and that's what everybody does. <laughs> so. And then me here, I'm like, what the fuck is just <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if if you don't feel like following our advice or anything, like feel absolutely free to do so. This is our just, this is just our subjective thoughts about maintenance at our bikes. And my bikes are still alive, so I guess it's pretty good advice. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys. Uh, well, this is pretty much all we have time for today. Um, as always, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog, slispinsidey.com. You'll also find your suggestion box there where you can tell us what we should talk about in the podcast. 
You can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes or with our Instagram account at Slowspin Society. Sharing the podcast with your friend is the easiest way to support the show by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not consider putting value back in, either by supporting us on Apple Podcasts with their new subscription program or by visiting patreon.com slash slowspinsidepodcast to join the community. We're pledging at any level we grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week. We are still at 26 Patreons. I don't know, maybe more because we're recording this 10 days in advance. But always, thank you so much for your support. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Amaria, and the illustration is by at Julia Joe on Instagram. Fabian, then have a good holidays, I guess. Thank you. I'll be and... back before you guys even. Yeah, by the time you hear this episode, I'll be back already. Yeah, back true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you guys have a good one, and we'll see you next Monday. Bye bye.